Listening Dog Media. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. He's one of England's most capped international players. Seaman is the man here. He's one of the world's most decorated goalkeepers. And it's somehow kept out by Seaman. That is a fantastic save. This is Seaman Says with David Seaman. And Seaman, what a magnificent save. Hear him. Breathtaking. Like never before. Hello and welcome back to Seaman Says with me, David Seaman and Lindsay Hooper. Um, how's your weekend been, Lindsay? Mm. <laughs> Do you want to share some of that joy that you've been <laughs> having? <laughs> Send some my way. Oh, I, yeah. I honestly, for the well, first time... Well, it's not been brilliant for me. Well, you only dropped two points, David, and you're still top of the league. Um, I, for the first time, feel like Wolves are in real danger. I mean, I know that we've been towards the bottom of the table all along, but I had confidence and and I just thought, yeah, we're, we're, we're not going to go down. I don't feel like that this morning. I was, I was watching the game and I was, you know, I, I thought the, the scoreline flattered Leicester, um, you know, because Wolves had chances again. You know, they, were, they had a lot of goal mouth action. Um, Costa had a couple of half chances. But, yeah... But, but can we just have a little mention about Tielemann's goal? Oh, my word. <laughs> what a strike that is. That's, that's got to be in major contention for goal of the season. Because So this is something as well that aggravates me. I always feel like people score their goals of the season or their best goals all campaign <laughs> against Wolves. I mean, you, you're laughing at him because you know that James Ward-Prowse had that free kick against us, but I, I could reel them off. The <laughs> I amount did, didn't of, he actually, yeah. Yeah. And I look, I think of um, McTominay. Yeah, but you won that game. I just, 
Yeah, there's so many goals which have been scored against us that then end up in the reel at the end of the season and all you see is a defeated Wolves in the background, their shirts and backs turning back towards the centre circle after someone's just put one on a postage stamp. Lynch, it's just ridiculous. What what hurts more, the fact that you lost 4-0 to Leicester or the fact that there isn't a manager out there that wants you? Whoa. Oh, Adam, I mean, harsh. there are candidates. There, there's one candidate that you're thinking of. I got are really there? angry. I got really angry about Swear at him, Mick Beale. Um, Steve Bruce, Steve Bruce, Steve Bruce. <laughs> Sean Dyche. Oh my gosh. Oh no. Um, Lopetegui, <laughs> the last time Lopetegui turned us down, I believe there was a a bad period afterwards. He's turned us down again and that was number one target. And yeah, it's just thrown us into uncertainty. But what you can't do is not criticise the football club for having a backup option. You know, I believe, Adam, if we're going to talk about Southampton, I believe that Haas and Hootles <laughs> days, days No, we're numbered. talking about Wolves. <laughs> no, I, ju- I just I just want to talk about the the difference in approach from the clubs. I think Haas and Hootle is already part way out the door, but Southampton have not sacked him because they are waiting for their options and their ducks to be in a row. And that is something that Wolves, not for a first time, have been really, really inept at. They haven't had a backup plan. I, and then you've got to look at the ownership and the the higher figures at the club to to actually lay something at their door for us not being better equipped. And and I don't know, we're trying to get to the, the World Cup now. I think that's even dangerous. I mean, 4-0 is quite a scoreline at home to be beaten by a team that haven't been good this season by any stretch. So I don't I don't really know where we go from here. Mick Beal turning us down. You can sort of see why in the last week. I think if there had been a better approach made earlier, he might have come. But um, I think it's just Mm. looked all over the place. And then you hear rumours Do you think there's an element of him not feeling loved? Because you know your second choice at that point. You go, well... mm." Uh, well, I mean, for Mick Beale, what, what's he going to expect? He's, a, he's at a championship club, a Premier League club. We were, as far as I'm aware, the first Premier League club that came calling. So in his case, no, I don't understand it. Um, but maybe, you know, he's on to a job with QPR and thinks that they're going to pass each other. Um, and that's the job that he's he's staying for because mm. also he's obviously yeah. onto something there and he doesn't know what the what the job or the magnitude of it is when he gets to Wolves at the minute. I don't think anyone really does. Um, I think this model of relying on, on Mendes and the model of relying on Portuguese players, you know, that's going to put off quite a lot of managers because there's a certain style. And I know that I've joked about it and how Dyche isn't suitable or Bruce isn't suitable because because of the squad that we've got. And there is a talented squad there, but it does limit us in terms of the number of managers that would be able to work with that team. So yeah, it might be, it might be catching up with us. It might be finally catching up with us, this over-reliance on, on Mendes and Portuguese players. I thought it was a strange decision, you know, the QPR manager to, to turn you down because, you know, as much as QPR are top of the league at the moment and he's all in his, openly said that he wants to be a Premier League manager. Um, I just found it really strange that he turned it down because, you know, as good as QPR are, are at the moment, there's no guarantee. We're only, what, a third of the way through the season, if that? 
Exactly. And we know how hard the championship is. We know how difficult a league that is to get out of. And by being top right now means nothing. I mean, we've seen teams that have been top in March that haven't been promoted. So yeah, I think it's risky. I that was that was the element of anger that I had towards him because I just thought, whoa, you're turning us down right now and you you're by no means guaranteed to get promotion. So yeah, I agree with that. And I also think as well that his background, uh, you know, I I wasn't 100% convinced about him when the rumors first emerged and then I did a bit more digging into the education that he'd gone and had in Brazil, um, a, a lot of the different um, unorthodox training methods that he's adopted, which I actually think is really refreshing for players nowadays not to go through the same old drills. And he's really someone that's embraced new methods. So I started to get really behind it thinking, you know, don't give him a long-term contract. This man's unproven, but he has got some real good ideas and a different approach. And that could be really refreshing for this team, certainly until the end of the season. And, and then you look at it and then he, t- he turns us down. And, and I found that incredible because there is certainly nothing guaranteed when it comes to his current position. So there's, there's no guarantee of getting promotion as we know. And, and also QPR, we know that they get impatient. They do want to get back up. Is it refreshing though to, to to for a manager to have that sort of loyalty to a club and not be you know and it's not loyalty that's one, with one of the big boys it's it's loyalty to a smaller club um, and he's gone no I want to see out the project I mean that's I, I know it's annoying oh, yeah. for well, Wolves supporter let's see but- how far it gets him we had that with Nuno Adam I mean people yeah. came in for Nuno <laughs> in year oh, no. no we did you're laughing we did we had people come in for Nuno year two year three and he'd got a project with us that he wanted to see through. Um, so yes, there is an element of admiring it, but also do not be under any illusion that if QPR got promoted with him and I don't know, we're at this point next year and QPR are bottom of the table in the position that Forrest are, that they wouldn't get rid of him because they would not show the loyalty back. Of course they wouldn't. Yeah, totally. And, and, and the other thing is, well, what if they don't get promotion, then, then who's going to come in for him? You know, I think it's a big chance miss for him. Um, but. Yeah, anyway, we'll t- we'll keep with this doom and gloom conversation going because Leeds got beat again at home um, mm. against Fulham, and look at Callum smiling away there. <laughs> 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 yeah, it's um, it's not looking good for Leeds as much as three two flattered them. You know, they scored the, the Leeds scored the second goal in in injury time, and they they looked well out of the game. Um, and you can feel that the fans are definitely turning on Jesse. The Marsh. reaction from the crowd was worrying, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was. Yeah, and they're not—they're not seeing any difference, you know. And they're always going to be comparing everything to when Bielsa was there, and you know. And as much as as everybody was like laughing at Leeds getting beat four, fives, and six, I don't think we've gotten—we've got any better at the moment, you know. So it's it's worrying times for Leeds, I think. What's what's your take on uh, on on Jesse Marsh though? Do you think he's the right man for the job, or would you like to see someone else at the helm? I, st- I still I'm still not convinced yet. You know, I see I see little bits of him on the touchline, and, and what worried me was last season when when he kept them up. It was like he would kept them up himself, um, and I saw some of his celebrations, and I was like, whoa, you know, just calm it down a bit. Um, you know, then I was thinking, right? So we, we're, we've stayed in the Premier League, <clears throat> excuse me, and um, 
and let, let, let's kick on from here. But I can't see anything, anything different. You know, are we are we a bit tighter at the back? Maybe a little bit, but now the goals have st- have dried up. You know, we're not we're not scoring as nowhere near as many goals. Um, and you know, the you can feel it. You can feel the crowd. They're they're on the turn. You know, and I think if if we have a, a couple of defeats in our next couple of games, then we could he could be under real real pressure. There seems to be an over-reliance on certain players. And I would say that's the same at Wolves, David. And so you look at the teams towards the bottom of the table and actually that's something that you can level at all of them. There's an over-reliance on two or three players. And I think with Leeds, that's definitely the case. Rodrigo, Harrison, if they don't start playing at a certain standard from kickoff, then you see the rest of the team just lag behind. I I think there is some pace setters, if we want to call them that. Um, Certainly at Wolves, that's the case. You know, if Neves isn't on it, um, we absolutely can see straight away. And I think it's one of Max Kilman or Nathan Collins. We need some sort of, um, I don't know, some statement from defence, I think, within the, the opening 15 minutes. Otherwise, they look a little bit rattled. And I think that's something that, a lot of other teams that have got this depth in squad, you know, you look towards the top of the table and they've got people that can come in and you're not surprised by that. But then I look at the teams that are overperforming. So let's use Fulham as an example, um, who beat Leeds at the weekend. And I look at their bench and I mean, Dan James obviously is on loan. He couldn't have played against Leeds, but in recent games, he cannot really get a look in. And this is Dan James who once at Man United, Callum, you know, was a real good asset. And I find it incredible that you've got teams that have come up like Fulham, like Bournemouth at the moment as well, that seem to be getting more of a contribution from all over the pitch. Um, and, and surely that shows the importance of a manager and what a manager brings to a team. So all those people that are sat there thinking, if you've got a good enough team, does it really matter who the manager is? I actually think where all of the performances come from, if they come from all over the pitch, that reflects the manager. And if you've just got a couple of standout players that you're relying on, then that shows that maybe the manager isn't right. Yeah, I totally agree. Adam, you was at the, uh, at the Arsenal game. How did you see the game? Did you feel that it was a fair result? I have to, yeah, I, I, Arsenal, yeah, of I think it was. It I, think, I think Arsenal <laughs> dropped two points then. But no, no, look, hey, look, I'm, I always try and be unbiased with these things without the uh, the roasting <laughs> specs on. I try, I try. Um, we always knew that Arsenal was going to come at Saints fast. But so that's, they start games fast at the moment and they still got their, their goal, I think it was on the 10 minute mark. Um, yeah. And, and, yeah. Harson Hoodle had a, a clear strategy. He, he really wanted to slow the game down at the very beginning, play out the back, play a few passes, just keep everything at a crawl. Um, and we hung on for the first half. It wasn't dismal, but we hung on. And then he changed it to a back five, a bit of a plan B. And all of a sudden, it was uh, the second half was a good game. It was really good for, I think, for both sets of um, for supporters to watch. Um, and it, could have gone either way. Um, I mean, I, I, I'm guessing you've seen the highlights on that. I mean, the the uh, the Stuart Armstrong goal, the the frap from the back from Mizunu straight through. I mean, that last interplay between Ellie Nusi and, and Armstrong was lovely. You never see that with Saints. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
so um yeah i think i think for all for all the uh fan base that rage on ralph for not having a plan b he really did have a plan b in his back pocket this time and it and it and it worked and it frustrated arsenal a lot yeah it did i, I was i watched it live on on telly and yeah i was when when arsenal set off like you said they were they were really fast um they didn't have a lot of clear cut chances they had like half chances and then it just seemed to like fizzle out a little bit. And then you think, then you start thinking, oh, you know, Saints are going to get back in this. And then the goal obviously was a brilliant goal on Southampton's part. You know, could could we have done better defensively? I'm much too sure. But yeah, it was it was a disappointing result for Arsenal, I felt. But it was a fair result. You know, 1-1 one, one was a fair yeah. result. Did you think that Arsenal looked really leggy, David, in the second half? I thought that the amount of football was starting to catch up with them. Um, you know, I look at it and I think, well, you know, they've had that, they had the European game, but it, they didn't all play. You know, they, some of them came on. You know, so no, I don't, I don't think they did. I, I just felt that they, they run out of of ideas a little bit, but they were they're still mm. capable of playing like that and then getting a result. You know, they they've done it in the past. They did it at Leeds. You know, they did play very well at Leeds, but got the result. Um, and you know, so that's that's now two games where where they haven't played their best. Um, okay, they only got a point at the weekend, but you know, it's it's when you're not playing your best and you're still getting points, it's it's a real good sign, I feel. I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Seaman says, "Hear him like never before." What, well, Cal? What, what did you? How was your feelings on the uh, the Man United equaliser? That was deep into injury time. Yeah, um, I think it, I think one one was the right result. Yeah, um, but I, I think he could have easily finished nil nil. To be honest, I didn't see. I didn't. Th- I don't think any team looked like they were going to score at any point. Yeah. He's he's a good player, Casemiro, isn't he? Cool. Really good. Oh, you, you see him in little bits and that, and it's just like wow. You know, he's still got a lot to offer. And it's all it's all the um, the way he goes about it as well. Like he looks like it matters to him, and I think yeah. a lot of a lot of the signings United have had over recent years look like they can't be asked. <laughs> yeah, to be mm. honest, <laughs> um, and it's very different um, this time. So hopefully. Hopefully, but everyone goes on a little bit about like how old he is and stuff. But he's like he's younger than De Bruyne and is he stuff. Really? So he's uh, yeah, Aww. yeah. So he's 
Yeah, yeah. He's, he's he's not he's not um, he's not he's, he's close to the end and he is the, um, the start of his career, obviously. But he's uh, <laughs> yeah, he's not. Yeah. He's, there'll be a good few seasons out of him, I reckon, especially in the position he plays. Yeah, yeah. We can't we can't let you go with without getting your opinion on the Ronaldo stuff. Yeah. How did you How did you feel about that? Time to go in it. Let's you be think, honest. Yeah. Yeah. I, I felt you know what I felt that like. I'd like. I'd love to know when Ten Hag asked him to go on. You know, was it like really late in the game? Um, because if 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 that's right, if he asked him to go on for like the last minute or so, that's just it's a bad decision from on Ten Hag's point. I think because that's only going to mean you know he's he's going to go on the, even if he went on the pitch, he'd go on with the mood and it, and then it's like he's taking the Mickey out of Ronaldo, and then you know I think that's. The fact that he asked him to go on a sub late on, if that's a, that's the case, it's just going to bring trouble. It'd have been better off not asking him. That's what I felt. Where, you know, where you is can't... that for you, David? Where, where is that time? What at what point <laughs> over? Is it like over seventy minutes becomes disrespectful? Where where do you think no. that that kind of point is for you? Over eighty. You need ten minutes, don't you? Yeah, exactly. Ten minutes is is, is fine, you know. And you're winning two nil. Okay. Then then you can go on and and you know do some magic or whatever. But, you know, I feel it was like with minutes to go, you know, like a few minutes to go. And I just felt just that to that, waste time. Just the yeah. waste time. And you're using Ronaldo to do that. Yeah. It's like, yeah. come on, use somebody else, you know, because it's just going to ignite a fire, you know, and it has done. You know, he was totally wrong doing what he did. There's no doubt about that. It was very disrespectful, disrespectful to his teammates um, and to the fans as well. But I can understand his frustration a little bit. Um, you know, because he, he's not playing, he needs game time because not just for Man United, but for the World Cup with Portugal. Um, you yeah. Know, so there's a there's there's a big decision to be to be made. You know, because man, someone like Ronaldo would just go straight into your team anyway. You know, obviously for Portugal, but you know if he's not fully match fit, it's going to take a while for him to get up to pace. If you were in that position. And it's kind of a big what if, but if you were in that position, would you would you have gone on for the the last couple of minutes and then had a had a bit of a heated discussion with Ten Hag afterwards, or would you do you think you would have reacted the same way? When what what are you doing? I'm not going on for for sixty seconds. What? Yeah. <laughs> how how do you think your professionalism would have handled yeah. that? I think I think I would have gone on, but I would have been mm. I would have been moaning at him. You know, like you'd mm. be like, real, you know, like show that you're not, you're not happy on the touchline, you know, mm. but still do it. You know what I mean? You know, yeah. I just felt it was a really bad decision on Ten Hag's point. I guess if you do go on, then everyone's on your side. No one can point a, a, the, yeah, the finger of blame at you, and that way you are yeah. in the right. Yeah, exactly. You know, you can yeah. go on and like point at your watch and stuff like that. <laughs> go, you know, say, really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he would have got everybody on his side like you said yeah what did you think about Aston Villa moving on from Ronaldo a minute because Gerard oh. leaves then they go and win you by know what? that it, margin my first reaction was oh I bet Stevie Gerard wishes he could have got to Brentford but you know it stayed manager but the way that they played um, I don't know I don't know what's going on there because that is some reaction you know of, yeah, I don't know what I don't know what's going on with with Villa there because there that was a massive reaction, you know, and it's almost like 
I don't know whether it's a weight that's been lifted off their shoulders. You know, I don't know how I don't know how Stevie Stevie managed them. You know, and but it was a massive result for Villa, and you know, you could feel even like just watching it on TV, you could feel the the crowd getting right behind them straight away. The early goal was amazing, you know, but it's um, yeah, I just I just felt for Stevie, you know, because I just wanted him to get to the Brentford game. <laughs> Seaman says in conversation. Later on this week, we're joined by a man who was part of the Blackburn side to win the Premier League title back in 95. Graham LaSalle. And here's a quick taste of that chat. I've, I've just remembered a, a, a story when we, we were asked were playing Blackburn and, we, and it was an evening match and it was raining and we're on the coach, mm. right? And, and the coach was like getting stuck in a bit of traffic, but we got close to the ground. And I never forget, there was, there was Nicholas, Patrick and Manu and they're mm. all like looking out of the window, and because like the coach has to come through all the, uh, the those terraced yeah. houses and things, doesn't it? You know, and and I I remember just their faces, like they were like looking, they were, and it was raining, it was dark, and they were like looking at each other, going like, "Look at those houses!" And I was thinking, "Oh my god!" It's like, uh, "Welcome to England, mate, Northern England." Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Have you heard of Lowry? Have a look at something. Exactly. <laughs> Quite the country, though, Graham. But, but again, this is the thing, the psychology of, of football for us. You know, uh, you know, wherever you go, there's that. that the, I always just, that was the worst part of a match for me was that journey to the stadium. You know, yeah. even, even, even to our own stadium because you're sort of, you're trying to stop yourself from getting too in the moment and the nerves are going already and you're thinking about stuff and then you get closer and, and there's, the fans and the uh, it's just that that final bit of the preparation I used to really not like a lot which is I always used to listen to music um and yeah. and, uh, and that sort of just kept me neutral shall we say rather than getting a bit bit too excited because it's quite it was quite exhausting that no like the the preparation for the game you know for me was like was, is so important you know and, mm. and even towards like the end of my career where you know, I, I was getting a bit of stick from the press and that, and you know, it was partly my fault because I wouldn't speak to them, and because I thought mm. I was getting a rough, rough treatment. But you know, the preparation has got to be dead on for you. You know, and, and I got to the stage yeah. where I wouldn't look at any papers the day after the game because I know right. that if there was something in the papers that was negative, negative towards me, I, it would affect me. Mm. You know, but even if there was something good in there, that wouldn't affect you, would it? You know, but something no. negative, just like a little nugget of something starts getting in your mind. So I just got to the stage where I, I wouldn't listen. I wouldn't look at anything. I even like stopped watching the, the football programs on a Saturday morning and stuff. Mm. I'm just like, no, I want everything out of my head. I just want to focus yeah. on, on the way that I prepare. Well, maybe, maybe I was better prepared because I had that most <laughs> of my career. But... <laughs> <laughs> I- I, I never, I, I really tried hard not to read the papers. And, and it's funny because so many players used to get, you know, they used to love reading the good stuff and take that, yeah. wow, look, you know, but they wouldn't, they then wouldn't um, want to acknowledge the bad stuff, if that makes sense. So I tried to be completely the, op- the, you know, different where I just, you know, I tried not to read, certainly not the tabloids, obviously, you know, I was known for mm. the Guardian reading footballer. Um, <laughs> yeah. Never got paid a penny by them, by the way. Um, maybe they didn't appreciate the association. I don't know. <laughs> but but I, I didn't, I read The Guardian because I, I grew up reading it and it was sort of a paper that I found was really balanced. But, 
you know, it wasn't renowned for its sports section back then. Um, and so I didn't feel like I was, that I needed to, you know, see everything that was said about me. But can you imagine now with social media and oh, the internet, you know, you you almost I would think players are almost drawn to to that. It's an, it must feel mm. like an addiction where they want to know everything that's going on because everybody else does all the time. And then managing that must be really difficult because it's just so much noise around. Yeah, you. Like, like you, you said, that, that really working out working out what's good for you on a match date is not as easy as what people think. You know, because like no. I said, especially with social media, you know, even now sometimes when I go to Arsenal and I'm coaching and the lads are like, they're always on their phones. Mm. And, I, and I think, and I say to them, I said, well, you know, then they start moaning about if somebody's having a go at them or whatever. And I'm like, well, guys, if you're going to use it, use it. But be aware that you are going to get people having a go at you just for fun. You know, and yeah. if that's affecting you, then you need, you really need to to have a look at it and, and think, what am I getting out of this? Rather than all that yeah. self-gratification. You know, yeah. that little bit of negativity, is that really destroying or, or hindering your performances? Yeah, yeah. And and it's funny because I think, you know, with 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 football, with other sports or whatever, you get just by playing it in a stadium with, you know, with 50,000, 60,000 people, you get instant feedback. So you know if you're yeah. playing. You don't need your phone to know whether you're playing well or not or <laughs> what the fans think of you or they don't. Yeah. Um, and some of it's irrational, you know, people booing you because you're, you're, you know, you're a member of the opposition or, you know, acting as if they really don't like you at, at all um, and, and sharing that with you on a regular basis when you're playing. But but I think that, you know, that's part of our environment and you use, you know, I was always, generally, I was always very good at using that to my advantage. Um, mm. You know, if people are giving me a load of stick, then good, I'm going to show you why you're giving me stick and then make you look stupid. Yeah. And I, and most of the time I was able to turn the negative into a positive, but there were times when I couldn't do that. And there were times when I didn't control myself on the pitch. You know, I had, I had three or four flashpoints in my career um, that everybody that knew me were like, well, that's a bit out of character. You know, that's not like <laughs> you. And I'm like, well, no, but I wouldn't do that in a supermarket. <laughs> but, 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 in a, in, a, in a situation where it's fight or flight and there's all this aggression, then there's a point where your body changes, you, you know, mentality changes and you go into something else and you end up either lashing out or putting in a tackle that, you, you know, you don't think about. And well, that's, did the bad, you have a, that's the bad side of it, you know. Yeah. Did you have a little flare up with Dico? One, what, oh, Chelsea. God, yeah, regularly, yeah. <laughs> I just need to yeah. remember that. <laughs> He's got a scar on his chin. You get him on, he can show you this. I'm quite proud of that. So, um, yeah, we. I mean, Lee, Lee was, you know, again, it's a different generation of football, so it was much more physical and there was a lot of mm. sort of that intimidation. And, you know, Lee always said that, you know, when him and Ray Parler played down that right-hand side against me, they went onto the pitch knowing that they... They could both kick me once and the referee wouldn't book them. Like, you get the first one free. Then they could both kick me again. This is his words, not mine. They could both kick me again and get a yellow card. And then they had to stop. So it's like, oh, okay, right. That's what the plan was, was it? Because I think people thought they could wind me up, you know, by by sort of, you know, getting stuck into me because I'd react and get be chirpy. My discipline wasn't bad. You know, I got bad three red cards in my career, you know, 500 games. So I didn't have a bad disciplinary record, but I would react and I would I would stand up yeah. and confront my bullies. Um, <laughs> but, but Lee and I, yeah. Bullies. 
<laughs> yeah, Lee and I would Lee and I would often because I always knew I was quicker than Lee, so I, I, I was I'd like to get in one on one situations with him if I could. Yeah. Um, but he was a very clever player, you know. He, he knew his distances and they're good support, very disciplined. Um, but there was a game we played at Stamford Bridge where he got booked for a foul on me and then he got another yellow card for another foul on me that he completely, like, just fell into the trap. Um, where <laughs> yeah. I, I went after a ball. A ball got played through to me and I was on my bike after it and he was coming across from sort of a narrow right back position out to tackle me. And as I was running, again, you're calculating all these things. Yeah. I knew that I was going to get there before him. But what I did was I made sure that I didn't go so fast. I was there way ahead of him. So I sort of slowed my run down really slightly, not that you'd notice, but just enough to get a touch. As I, and I could tell there was a he point was of no in. return. Right? <laughs> he, he make the tackle. It's like an aeroplane. When an aeroplane's going down the runway, there's a point. No matter what goes wrong with the plane, there's a point they have to take off because they're going yeah. too fast not to take off. I don't want to compare <laughs> Lee to an aeroplane. You <laughs> <laughs> weren't that maybe fast. A <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you can hear the full chat with Graham right here later on in the week and you can watch it over on our YouTube channel. Don't forget to leave us a review on your podcast app and we'll see you later. This is a Listening Dog Media Production. Sports Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumpacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.